We are busy with a series called Worship. And in this series, we've said a couple of things. We started to re-look at the term worship because it's so easy when we think, especially if you're a Christian, it's so easy to think of worship as the songs we sometimes sing in church or the music you listen to when you're in your car or to think of worship as the prayers you pray. But worship is so much more and worship is actually not Christian and worship is not even a religious thing. We learned in the first week that worship is our response to what we value most. So if you follow the trail in your life of your time, your energy, your money, your focus, at the end of that trail, there will be a throne. And whatever is on the throne, that is the thing you value most, and that is the thing that you will respond to, that is the thing you worship. And we said it's so important to make sure that God is on the throne of your life and not something else. Why? Because in the second week we said whatever you worship will change who you are. It will determine your future. It will determine who you will become. And then in the third week, we said this is the problem. It's not just in one area. It's not just that whatever you worship determines something religiously in your life, but it, it extends to a whole life experience, everything in you starts to reflect whatever you worship. And that's why it's so important for us to make sure that Jesus is on the throne of our life. If you're not a Christian and you're listening to this for the first time, you're in this room, hopefully today I will paint a beautiful picture of why and how we can connect to Jesus and why it's so important to have Him on the throne. If you are a Christian, I think today will challenge you. Because we've said that our whole life should be a worship response. Everything we do. So it's not something we do in church on a Sunday. It is something we do at work. It's something that we do when we hang out with our friends. It's something we do at gym. Our whole life is a worship response. But here is the problem. I think sometimes I might feel like I'm not a good enough Christian to, a Christian to worship God with everything I am. I can feel like I may be too sinful, I don't have a deep enough relationship, I'm not perfect enough. I can feel like I consistently fail to live the way I should, and therefore something happens. Condemnation starts to choke out the praise that we're supposed to have for God. Guilt starts to restrain our heart. Shame stifles us, and suddenly we can't express our love and our devotion and our praise and our worship to God the way we should because I'm thinking that I'm not good enough. So today I want to talk to those of you that's, that's following Jesus, but he might not be number one in your life. You might think he is, but he might not be on the throne. And by the way, that's a lot of us. That's something Jesus said to the church in Revelations. It's like, I know you follow me, but you're lukewarm, and I don't like that. I don't eat lukewarm food. Jesus said, I want to spit the church out. out. Jesus says, I want to spit the church out that's lukewarm. I want you cold. You don't worship me or I want you warm. You give your everything to me. So I want to speak to you. I want to speak to those who's considering to redirect their relationship to God, their worship to God. I want to speak to those today who, who are feeling like I want to give it my all, but I'm just not good enough. And our topic for today is true worship, because I believe there's a difference between worship and true worship, because you can worship anything, but not all worship is good for you. Some worship will leave you empty, some worship will leave you broken, some worship will leave you disappointed, and then there's a true form of worship, and Jesus himself uses the word true worship. Paul, last week in the part we read, also used the word true worship. There is a true form of worship that looks different to just worshiping my response to what I value most. 
And we're going to read a very special part in the Bible today from John 4. But let me tell you what's happening here. There's a lady who was of the wrong ethnic group. She was of the wrong gender. Because women was basically nothing back in the day when Jesus came to earth. They didn't have rights. They couldn't own property. They couldn't serve in the temple. She lived a sinful life. She had a lot of men over the years. And her shame was so much that she couldn't understand what worship was about. And she snuck out of the city to go and get water in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, so that she didn't have to face all the other ladies who went early in the morning or late in the afternoon. She went to go get water at a well where no one would confront her because she was so shameful of her life. And then she met a man whose name was Jesus, who was God, and everything changed. So I want us to read today from John 4. Verse 19 to 16, and to 19 to 26, and Jesus is going to help her. He's going to redirect her worship. So after Jesus has spoken to her, she's kind of tried to hide a bit of who she is. Jesus just revealed all the sin in her life, and she's like, "What's going on? He's not this random stranger. He's not supposed to know all of the messiness of my life." But Jesus knows everything. So, so now she's, I, I, she redirects the whole conversation away from her sin, away from her shame. And either she's just trying to, to redirect it, or maybe she thought, like, this man is clearly different because he's, he knows stuff that he shouldn't, that he's not supposed to know. So this is how she redirects the conversation in John 4, verse 19 to 26. She says, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors, and here how she changes this. We just spoke about a sin. That's what Jesus and she spoke about. So she swaps the whole conversation to something new. And she says, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. So she switches to worship. But you Jews, she was a Samaritan. But you Jews, you claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Because this is such a beautiful part in the Bible for me. This woman is looking for an answer. She's confused. She, she feels like she's not worthy of worshiping God. She's ashamed of the sin that Jesus just pointed out in her life. So she tries to redirect the conversation away from her own guilt, away from her own shame. And basically what she reveals is that she's got a lack of understanding of who God is. She wants to know God. She wants to have a relationship with Him. She's, she wants to give that first step, but she's so confused by the religious structures and everything that was going on in the world, and she's, like, like she's asking for help. 
But the first thing that's interesting, interesting is Jesus, point, Jesus points out that there's a significant flaw in the way she thinks about her relationship with God. And that is that her idea was that religious acts at certain religious places equals worship. You see, because the Jews believed that God is present, present in the temple. So they had to be in the temple to worship God. And the Samaritans, because when Israel splits in two different kingdoms after King Solomon, the Samaritans were the northern kingdom. They didn't have access to Jerusalem and the temple. So they went back to the mountain that the prophets met God on. And they're like, no, that is actually, that preceded the temple. So you should be on the mountain. You see, so this is what she's saying. If I want to worship God, I need to be in church on a Sunday. Or if I want to worship God, I need to make sure that I'm in the right denomination. I grew up in this church, so that's the right one, so I should stick to this. Or I grew up in that one, and I never encountered God there, so clearly that's not the place to worship God, so I must find a new place. You see, the Jews believed that God, that there was places, times, and things that were holy, and places, times, and things that were unholy. So the Sabbath day was a holy day. The temple was a holy place. You were not allowed to even enter the temple if you didn't go through a cleansing ritual. And for a long time, it wasn't completely wrong. Because when the Israelites left Egypt, how did they meet God? God said, build me a tabernacle. So Moses built this huge tent, and inside this tent, there was an ark, and this ark was representative of the presence of God. So they had to go into this, this tent temple to worship God. Then David collected all the materials, King David, to build the temple, and King Solomon finished the temple, and people would go into the temple, and there was actually a curtain that divided the temple, and only the high priest once a year was allowed to go through this temple, through this curtain, because if he went through that curtain, the Holy Spirit of God, God himself, was present there, and if you weren't purified, if you weren't okay, if you had sin in your life, and you would go into the presence of God, you would die. So she wasn't completely wrong. But everything changed. In Acts 4, after Jesus ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And it meant that God said, I am choosing to not just be present in my temple anymore. I'm choosing to not just be present in the tabernacle. But I'm choosing to be present in every space you can enter in this world. I'm choosing to be present in your life if you only accept me. The Holy Spirit is a free gift that God gives to each one of us. And Jesus is telling you, you've got this wrong idea of religion. He said, even if you look at the world religions of today, religion is about trying to gain the approval of God through rituals. So I help people because if I help them, maybe God would approve of me. Or I come to church on a Sunday because maybe if I'm in church, God would love me. Or I'm trying to not do sin because maybe if I have no sin in my life, I might go to heaven. Because if I ask you today, where are you going if you die today? What would you say? So many people that I've met 
I've said, I hope I'm going to heaven. And when I asked them why, they would say, because I lived an okay life. I helped people who were hungry, and I sometimes did okay things, and I went to church once a month. So I hope that I'm going to heaven one day. And Jesus is like, that is all religion. That is trying to appease God through rituals. You are trying to have a relationship with God, and it's impossible for us to do it ourselves because every time you're going to try to be perfect, you're going to fail. Every time you're going to try to be without sin, you're going to do sin again because we're human, we're not perfect. The Bible says there's only one that's perfect, and that is Jesus Christ. Through religious worship, trying to appease God through rituals and good work, that is a form of worship that will leave us empty. It's an empty way of worshiping. And I want to tell you today, don't get so hung up in all the irrelevant stuff. What building are we meeting in? This is not a church building. This is a school building. But we can be out in the field because guess what? We call the building a church, but that is not, that's not the name of a building. The church is the people of God gathered together. That's the Greek word, ecclesia, translated as church, literally means the people who gather together to worship Jesus. So don't worry about the building. Don't worry about the denomination as long as Jesus is central. Don't worry about the music we're singing, whether it's with an organ or a band, whether there's lights or smoke machines or whether everyone is standing quietly or people are raising their hands. That stuff that churches have been fighting over. In, when I was studying, we actually had a book called The Worship Wars that we had to study that talked about the difference of worship styles. And I'm like, we're missing what it is about when we're fighting about these little things. And Jesus tells us, women, you are missing the point if you're worried about whether you should be on the mountain or whether you should be in Jerusalem. That's not the point of worship. That is, false, that is empty worship and it will leave you empty. In verse 22, Jesus tells her, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. But we know what we worship. Jesus is telling her that if we do not have the right understanding of who God is, we'll continue to worship the wrong thing. You can think you're worshiping Jesus, but if you do not know who He is, you can still worship the wrong thing. It's about true worship. Jesus is telling her that is what God wants. That is what He is seeking out. And what does it mean? Now, this, is the, this is the difficult part. What's true worship? Jesus says true worship is worshiping in truth and worshiping in spirit. So what on earth does that mean? And I want to start with in and through the spirit, and then we're going to look at truth, because what on earth does that mean? Now, in and through the spirit is so significant to me, because previously worship was in a building. Previously worship was in the temple or on the mountain. Now Jesus is like, no, no, now worship is in the spirit, not in a building. And it's through the Spirit. So what Jesus is saying, suddenly we have through the Holy Spirit access to God to worship Him to the living God. By the way, if you didn't know this, there's only one thing, and I'm not talking about genes and all of that, but there's one significant thing that separates us as human beings from every other animal on planet Earth. When God created animals, guess what? They have will, they can choose, and they have emotions. Go and look at a dog that will cry themselves or that would, would just, like, I've got an Italian ground. And they would literally, if you leave them alone too long for a couple of weeks, they would just die out of sorrow. The one thing that they do not have is a spirit. 
And how do I know we've got a spirit and they don't? Because in Genesis 1, we read that God created this little mud man called Adam. And then the thing that gave him life was, we read in, in Genesis, that God breathed into him. But that word breath in Hebrew is the word ruach. It is the same word that is used for the spirit of God. So God does, didn't breathe O2 into our nostrils. God breathed his Holy Spirit into our nostrils. And that is what separates us from every other, other animal on planet earth is that we have the spirit of the living God in us. We are made in the image of God and God is telling us, Jesus is telling us, if you truly want to experience life transforming, life changing, life renewing worship, it is not about the place, but it is about in being in the Holy Spirit, having Him in your life and through Him worshiping God because our worship will always fall short. You might get distracted when you're worshiping, don't even realize what you're singing. You might want to worship, but you made a mistake. But in the Spirit, this is what the Bible says, when we don't have the words, the Spirit intercedes for us. He, does, he speaks the language of God that we sometimes cannot speak because we're too broken. We will never experience a life transformation in Jesus if we do not have the Spirit. And I want to tell you that... The Spirit mediates the presence of God so much better than any place could ever mediate it. The Spirit is here not because we call this a church, but He's here because we as His people are here and God is present here because He loves us. That's where true worship starts. It's not about the music. It's not about the band. It is not about the building. It is not about the words, but it's being in the Holy Spirit and through Him worshiping God. But then the second part, Jesus says, it's about worshiping God in truth. And we live in a time in this world where the world tells us that there is no absolute truth. Years ago in the modern ages... We are postmodern ages. We thought that science will give us a bunch of absolute truths that will prove everything. And guess what people figured out? There are no absolute truths. Even science can't figure out everything. So then we moved into postmodernism that tells us there are no absolute truths, but the Bible tells us that there is one absolute truth, and that is Jesus. Jesus himself presents him as the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is saying there's one thing that we need not just His Holy Spirit, but another thing, and that is the truth. We need to know Jesus. We need to know a lack of knowing what we worship will lead to disappointment, will lead to empty worship that will leave us empty. You see, it's not the music you saying that leaves you empty. It's not the sermon that's not good enough that leaves you empty. It's when we don't worship right that we are empty. And that thing is we need the truth. We need to know who Jesus is and we need to know what he did for us in order to truly understand and worship our Father. We have this beautiful, amazing moment of worship right at the cross of Jesus. When Jesus was hanging on a cross and everyone was crying and he finally died on that cross, the earth started to shake and day became night, it turned dark and the, and the earth shakes so much that the temple, that curtain that separated us from God's presence tore in two and everyone is running around and trying to hide from the earthquake and the earthquake and the people that love Jesus are crying and one man standing at the foot of the cross has this moment of pure 
worship in spirit and in truth, and that is a Roman centurion in Mark 15 verse 39, that worship God with these simple words. He says, surely this man was the son of God. One of the purest moments of worship you will find in the Bible. Everything changes in that moment. Suddenly, my brokenness and the sin that I'm so ashamed of and the fact that I'm not perfect, suddenly all of that gets drowned in the truth of who Jesus is. In the fact that He died so that we can have a new relationship with God, so that, we can, that there's no more curtains, there's no more buildings. We have direct access to our Father who loves us. Suddenly, the truth drowns out this shame that we feel for our sin because Jesus has paid for it. You're forgiven. Suddenly, your emptiness that you're experiencing, your loneliness gets drowned out because suddenly you have a new father that loves you to the point where his son died on a cross for you. Suddenly, life looks different. Life becomes vivid and colorful and it's beautiful. I want to tell you today, true worship can only start at the cross of Jesus. You can worship a lot of stuff in life. You can worship your car. You can worship money. You can worship other gods. You can worship buildings, and you can worship bands. But all of that will leave you empty. True worship needs to start at the cross of Jesus. It's the only form of worship that will not leave you empty, that will not leave you disappointed, and that will change your life forever. If it doesn't start at the cross of Jesus, you will be living in so much less than you could have had. Jesus says that God is looking for a new kind of worshiper. He's seeking us out. See, God is the God who takes the initiative. You don't have to try to figure out where he is. He's already looking for you. He's already, the boss is knocking on the door of your heart. He's there. He's just waiting for you to respond. You don't have to seek him out. He's seeking you out. But what kind of worshiper is God seeking out? He's looking for people that don't fit the mold of the religious structures. You might be, but Louis, we, we've got structure. We're religious as well. We might be an institution that's classified as religion, but Christianity is about a relationship with the living God. It's not about doing certain things and hoping that you're okay with God. It's knowing that you're okay of God, with God, not because of what you have done, not because you're perfect, but because of what Jesus has done. That's what we are about. And he's seeking people who don't fit that mold. He told this lady, you don't have to fit the mold of the Samaritans. You don't have to fit the mold of the Jews. You need to find me. People were looking for true worship. That's why they were fighting over the mountain or the temple. That's why people are today, Christians, are still fighting about denominations on all kinds of minor things that we shouldn't even be fighting about while the church are declining in the Western world. And I'm including South Africa because the church is also declining in South Africa. Because population are growing and in churches we just see people swapping. And while all of that is happening and people are fighting about the silliest things, God is like, I don't care about that. I care about you knowing the truth about Jesus, and I care about you worshiping in the Spirit. I want to tell you today where your spirit 
was dormant because of sin. Because, by the way, sin doesn't make you a bad person. Sin makes you a dead person. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death, not badness. And where your sin have left you dead, where the sin have drowned out the Spirit of God in your life and left your spirit dormant, God seeks to stir your soul to life again, to breathe new life into it, to light that fire again. He wants to restore restore your ability to truly worship Him. But He leaves us with a choice. That's what God wants to do. That's the people who He is seeking. But we are left with a choice. He told her in verse 25, she's like, Jesus, all of this sounds so good. It sounds so good, but, but I still don't understand all of this. She's like, I know when the Messiah comes, then everything will, then, then he will tell me like how this makes sense. Louis, all of this that you're saying sounds so good. I understand this thing about religion and relationship, and it's not about what I do, but what about but what God did. Still, my mind can't comprehend all of it. And I want to tell you it's okay because if our minds were capable of comprehending everything about God, then God wouldn't have been bigger than our comprehension. So it's okay if everything doesn't make sense. And this is Jesus' answer to her. He tells her, you don't need more answers. You need me. That's the difference. And it left her with the choice of deciding if she's going to fight about the mountain or the temple, whether she's going to stay stuck in her shame and her guilt and try to go get water at a time of the day that's horrible in order to avoid people. She was left with a choice whether she's going to stay stuck in a life of disappointment and shame, or whether she's going to accept Jesus and experience life change. That's our vision of Pro, at Prodeo. Our vision states that we want to connect people not to a, to a building. We want to connect people to life-changing relationships, up, in, and out. Personal relationship with Jesus Tend to community with each other because Christianity is not about just about you. It's about being with us, body of Christ, and then to change the world, the relationship with our with the world around us. And she had to make the choice of entering into relationship with Jesus. And she says yes. And I want to encourage you to go home and to go and study John four this week. Go and read it every day. Read a piece, or every day read the whole of John four and just reread it. But at the end of this. We see that she goes into the city. This lady who was so ashamed of her mistakes, that couldn't face people, that went to the well when no one else was there, this lady goes into the city, and instead of her life being drowned by her shame and her guilt, she goes and she starts telling everyone about Jesus, because suddenly worship is this natural response to what she values most. And it just starts bubbling up out of her. And she starts telling everyone about this Jesus. And the people start streaming out of the city. And they start heading for the well to have an encounter. Not with religion. Not with a temple. Not with a mountain. But with a living God. A God that removed all of the boundaries that existed between us and Him. And I hope you're there today. I hope you're at the place where you're like, I'm so tired of dead religion. I'm so tired of singing songs and nothing changes. 
I want more. And the answer is then the time is here for you to take that step and say, Jesus, you are enough. That's what I need. And I'm not telling you that everything in your life is going to be perfect in a moment. But when we accept Jesus, it's still a journey. A lot of stuff changed for an, in an instant, but everything wasn't perfect. She still had a guy that she was living with that she wasn't married to. That's one of the things that Jesus pointed out to her. She, still ha- she probably still struggles with the guilt every now and again. There was a lot of issues in the life that she still had to sort out. Everything, it's not like a magic button and everything in your life is perfect. But what does happen is it's the first step in your life that will be followed by a whole bunch of small steps that will bring you closer and closer to your Father. But if you are tired of dead religion, if you're tired of worship that leaves you empty, today is the day that Jesus is inviting you and saying, take this step. A beautiful relationship with your Father is waiting, is awaiting you. Let's do that now. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so tired of playing church, church. of hearing people calling themselves Christians, but you never see a change in their lives. We don't see a change in the world. We're tired of empty worship that leaves us disappointed. I'm tired of trying to find something in a service that I will never find. Because we know that the only place where we can find spirit, that we can find your spirit, the only place where we can find your truth is in Jesus Christ. And today we want to commit our lives to you. Today I want to say enough is enough, Jesus. I want to put you back on the throne of my life. Or I want to give a first step and I want to put you on the throne of my life. I pray today, God, that the knocking on the door of our hearts would be so loud in this moment that we cannot deny it any longer. So before I continue this prayer, I want to speak to you if you're listening to this, whether you're online or in person. If you need to put Jesus on the throne of your life, and you know you haven't done that, whether this is the first time, or whether you need to seriously make a recommitment to God today, don't let this moment pass. This lady didn't let the moment pass. At that, well, she made a decision to follow Jesus, to put Him on the throne of her life. And I don't want to go past this service today without giving you the opportunity to do this. This is what the Bible says in Romans, that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is our Savior and our Lord, then we are saved. So if you want to do that today, if you want to have the certainty of eternal life today, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. If you want to have the certainty of the Spirit of God present in your life today, all you need to do is take that step. If you want to do that today, I want to ask you, if you're in the room, we're all going to keep our eyes closed. All you need to do is just raise your hand so that I just know you're with me here. If you're online, all you're going to do is you're going to complete a connection card afterwards, and you're going to let us know on that online connection card, prodata.org.za slash connect, that you've given your life to Jesus today. But if you're in this room, will you just raise your hand if you want to do that today? If you want to put Jesus on the throne, and then we're going to pray. Thank you. Let's pray. Jesus, today, 
I put you back on the throne. I choose today to take materialism, consumerism, power, money, friends, religion, whatever it might be, I choose to take that off the throne of my life today and to give you the place of honor. Thank you that you died on a cross to reconcile me with my creator. Thank you that you are alive so that we can be alive. And thank you that I do not have to continue living in shame and in fear anymore because in Jesus I'm set free. May today be the first step in many steps of giving my all to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. We confess that you are my Lord, that you are my Savior. Amen.